Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everyone. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. We praise God for this wonderful opportunity to celebrate what God did through his son, Jesus Christ. We are all here. We are all alive. We have hope for future. Most importantly, hope for eternity because of what Jesus did for us over 2,000 years ago. And I hope and I pray that this becomes a revelation in your heart. I hope and I pray this is not what we just celebrate one weekend. This becomes what we celebrate every day of our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It has been especially a very wonderful, a very moving, a very inspiring weekend. Uh, You know, since Thursday with the play, The Lamb of God. Wow. If you missed that play... You cannot afford to meet to miss this afternoon. If you did not register, I'm sorry, it's late to come in person. Uh, but you can all watch online. It will be streamed. Uh, just go on the YouTube. We'll be streaming it. No, don't just watch it alone. Share it with everyone that you know. Uh, so that thousands and thousands and thousands of people can, you know, be impacted by that wonderful, beautifully written excellently acted play called the lamp of god uh you know it will you know the last show will be this afternoon at 3 30 and uh, i will be there live and direct i hope you're joining us if you're not there in person please join us online hallelujah praise the name of the lord praise the name of jesus hallelujah hallelujah Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Christ is risen. Christ is alive. I'm going to begin today from John chapter 20. A beautiful story after the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Sunday morning. The Lord in his mercy and his wisdom chose a woman to be the first person to experience resurrection, to find out about resurrection. Mary, the Magdalene as we call her, was the first person that woke up very early Sunday morning and went to the tomb and found out the body was no longer there. And she concluded in her mind, the body must have been stolen. You know, when Jesus was teaching, was talking about his resurrection, actually he told them, you you can't even, some of the things I'm sharing with you, you cannot fully understand. And it's true. They could not fully understand. They could not fully, I mean, they probably thought Jesus was just talking in parables you know, so they never, never really occurred or registered in their heart that Jesus was in fact going to really come out from the dead alive. So Mary, in verse 10 of John chapter 20, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And I can imagine what that meant. I can imagine the Savior is gone. I mean, what is life going to be from now on? I mean, we've had three years of exciting teaching of miracles, signs, and wonders. There's nothing like, you know, like that in the history of the world, and we were part of it. We were with him daily. 
we enjoy his words, we enjoy his teachings, his presence was magnetic, that everything about him was just miraculous, and now he's gone. And we don't even have his body to remember him. So she's there crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, this is verse 13, Woman, why are you crying? They are taking my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. I'm glad we serve a God that cannot be stolen. His body was not taken away from the tomb. Nobody was powerful enough to take his body. The power of resurrection came, rolled that stone from the grave, entered into the grave, and just brought Jesus alive. Hallelujah! They didn't take him. He rose. Can you turn to your neighbor? They didn't take him. He rose. He rose by himself. He wasn't taken. Verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. What a, what a, I just wish I can be like a fly in the wall and just see everything that is going on there. The expression on her face, you know, how, you know, the different ranges of emotions, right, that is just flying through. And verse 15, I know I'm just reading verse 14. At this time, Jesus turned around and saw, uh, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Because this is now a transformed Jesus. A glorified Jesus. Hallelujah. He asked her, this is Jesus now asking her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. What a wonderful woman is Mary. I mean, I mean, I mean what, a, what a courageous person. I mean... I mean, the other guys are just hiding. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're just trying to protect their life. I mean, they don't want to be known. I mean, they're just saying, you know, when the, when the, when the, when the dust are settled, hopefully we can make, out of this, make it out of this basement. And she's right there and saying, I, I, I just want this body. Hallelujah. But do you notice how they say, stop crying? Why are you crying? I think many people are crying so much here today. Many people are watching here crying over something that is already taking care of. So now, Mary is crying here, thinking Jesus is dead, thinking this is a very bad situation. The best I can hope for is to get his body and maybe go and give him go and give him a befitting barrier. The best I can hope for is to have his body and put him somewhere. Maybe at least I can see him for a few more hours, bury him, and at least we can know there's a there's a ending to this. Sometimes we cry over things that he's already taken care of. And I think many people here are crying over things that are hopeless, things that God has resolved. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, stop crying. Stop crying. He's already taken care of. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. 
And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. Now, so I'm sure Jesus called her in a way that she would know. This is how, the only person that calls me in this way. The only person that calls me this way, that stresses my, my name this way, maybe Jesus will say, Mary. And Jesus said it, and she turned around and said, Rabbi or Rabboni, which means teacher. And she was just going to hug him. And verse 17, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have yet not ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo. This is loaded. Now, Jesus said, no, 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 no. I haven't presented the body yet. Don't contaminate the offering. Don't forget that Jesus offered himself. At this point, Jesus has become our high priest, right? Now, he must go to heaven. You know, theologians tells us between this and maybe a few hours or when he began to see, he went to heaven, right? He must present himself as that sacrifice. He must go to the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. He must go to the temple, the true temple, the true tabernacle. He must present himself and enter into that place for the last and final time and present himself a sacrifice and offer his blood as an atoning sacrifice once and for all for our sin. Hallelujah. So that's what Jesus is saying here. I have not, it's not completed yet. There's one more step. Don't ruin it. But I just want to assure you I mean, because you're crying too much. I think some people, you're just crying too much. I want to, maybe that's your neighbor, turn to them and say, you're crying too much. You know, sometimes Jesus has to show up because someone is crying so much and it's like, you know, I don't want you to cry. And I think this service is actually meant for some people, you're crying too much. And God wants me to tell you, stop crying. Is resolved. He's taking care of. What you're crying over, God already took care of. I wanted to say, I, I stop crying now. I stop. I no longer cry. I no longer cry. Hallelujah. I turn my cry to thanksgiving. Hallelujah. My crying is turned to thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord, because it is done. Hallelujah. So he said, go and tell my brothers and sisters. Now, Jesus now says something here that is very, also very important. <laughs> Before now, Jesus says, my father. He never called them, called, say, your father. So you see, Jesus, there's a change in language here that is very significant. Now, because now he's saying, I am ascending to my father. But because of the offering of myself, he has now become also your father. In the same way I call him my father, you can now call him your father. Praise the name of Jesus. Now let's, let's try to put it together. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's try to put this together a little bit. And read verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9. I'll read two, I think two verses there. Okay, but when Christ came as a high priest, I don't know if I'm reading maybe 11 or 10, whichever one I'm reading. Okay, it's 11, right? But when Christ came as high priest, I want you to notice that of the good things 
that are now already here. So don't forget, Jesus becomes the high priest. Last week, I walked you through the tabernacle, how the only person that goes to that last part, which is the holiest place, or the holy of holies, is the high priest. And the high priest goes there once every year, once to offer what is called the atonement, right? He, he does that, which is on behalf of the sin of the people. Now, but Jesus now becomes the high priest of the good things that are now already here. He went through, I want you to notice that, this is what Jesus is talking about, that I have not yet ascended. I still have to go there. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of this creation. Now, the tabernacle is a copy, the physical tabernacle or the physical temple that we have here, a replica here, is a copy of the true tabernacle that is in heaven. So Jesus, you know, presents himself, all right? That is to say, not part of this creation, verse 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, which the high priest used to do, but he entered into the most holy place. I want you to notice that once for all. I want you to say once for all. He did it once for all. By his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. I thought somebody's going to praise God for that. Hallelujah. So that's what happened. So Jesus must go and complete the job by saying, Father, I have laid down my life. I'm presenting it to you. And now the price of sin for the whole world has been paid. And it's paid once and for all. No longer does anyone need to go every year to offer any other sacrifice. Do you know that? Hallelujah. The price of sin of the whole world has been paid for. It's not the price of sin of believers alone. The whole world. Even everyone that is walking around on the street, everyone that is cursing God, everyone who is a Muslim, everyone who is an atheist, Christ already paid the price for all. Hallelujah. I mean, it's like the meal is paid for. But so many people don't use the gift card. Do you know how many gift cards go unused every year? I mean, that's a serious business. That's a big fraud business. The gift card business. I mean, about 40% of those don't get used. But they were paid for. You know what I'm They were paid for. Never got used. It's like rebate. Rebate is the biggest fraud in retail. <laughs> I actually read that 60% of rebates never get used. All right? People forget. People just lose the, the sheet of paper. People just move on. People start enjoying the gadgets. They forget about the rebates, right? Because they put it on their credit card. I mean, they, by the time they think it's, it's 60 days, it's passed. Or 30 days is passed. For every single person that is unsaved out there, it's been paid for. Their salvation is being paid for. They just need to realize. They just need to know and accept it and cash the check. Bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus did. Now, three days earlier, something also significant happened, which I'm going to just put us through. Three days earlier, something very significant happened. In Matthew chapter 27, as Jesus was laying down on the cross, as Jesus was, you know, was about to just, you know, give up the ghost and finally just give up his spirit, in Matthew chapter 27, 
we, we see the account, something, has, something very significant also happened. In Matthew 27, I'm going to read, I believe, three verses there, verse 50, 51, and 52. And when Jesus, actually just 50 and 51, when Jesus had carried out, had cried out, sorry, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He passed on. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split, and the tombs broke open. Let me just stop there. Now, so these two things are very significant. Now, this is the temple on earth, you know, which is the temple is a more permanent tabernacle. So now the veil, as I was sharing with you last week, historian told us is about four inches thick. Can you imagine a fabric that is four inches thick? That is preventing us from going into the holiest place. Now, the holiest place is people are prevented from going there. In fact, only one person goes there, and that is the high priest, once a year. All right, only one person is able to go there on behalf of the people and offer the sacrifices once a year. Now, the first thing that happened is that veil must go. You know, that veil must go. And so when Jesus, you know, gave up his spirit, the hand of the Lord, I mean, I think it's about 40 feet high. So it's not something that anybody could have hidden behind and just do. Now, and that's why the Bible says it was turned from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. From top to bottom. That is the hand of the Lord that did that. Hallelujah. Only the hand of the Lord can do that. It was torn from the top to the bottom. And that means a lot. So on earth, the holiest place was thrown open. I can, I don't, I can imagine what the high priest or the priest, they probably thought they were going to die. Because you can't, you're not supposed to see what is behind there. I mean, what is behind there, when the priest goes in there every year, every year they gathered intercessors <laughs> because it's a miracle for him to come out alive. It's a dreaded place. The holiest place is a dreaded place. They will have to tie a leash on his belt, all right? They will put some bells around him so that as he's moving, they can hear, right, that he's alive. If they stop hearing for a very long time, oh, my God, something bad happened. And now nobody can go there to retrieve his body because no, no one can just go there. So they must tie a leash around him to drag him out of the place. Can you imagine that? Now... So, that veil was thrown open. I'm sure they are like, oh my God, I can't. I mean, they've read history. They know that one guy accidentally touched the ark and died. Uza, right? I'm sure you read that. I mean, you've all, many of you have read that. And like, why did that happen? This is because nobody can just touch the ark. It is that sacred. Now, the ark represents the presence of God. If you go to the book of Genesis, on top of the ark, there are two cherubim, right? They were standing there. If you go to the book of Genesis, there were two cherubim that were put on the garden to prevent man from going back to the tree of life. Two cherubim, right? So, the ark cannot be accessed by anybody. Cannot. 
So anybody touching the ark is, you know, is dangerous. Praise the name of Jesus. So the veil was turned signifying the sacrifice has been done. God does not want to scare people anymore. <laughs> it is no longer the days of fear. It is no longer the days of dread. It is now, we are now in the days of access. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Access to God, that's what he means. So, the tearing of the, of the, of the, of the curtain or the veil signifies, first of all, the way to the Holy of Holies is now open for all people. Hallelujah. It is now open for all people. It is not just a place for people to go or for one person to go once a year. It's a place where everybody can go. Hallelujah. Let us therefore come to the throne of grace. In fact, he says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That's why we must come. I mean, now... That's why when we don't come to the throne of grace, when we don't go there, it is because we don't know what it meant. You know, sometimes when things just come to you too easy, you don't know. <laughs> you know, for people who never had it for a very long time, they knew that. Very, very important. So it was turned into two. Access is now given. It also means God moved. God is no longer dwelling in a temple made with human hands. God is saying, I'm out of here. I'm now accessible now. My presence is now accessible. Hallelujah. A few years later in, later in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, Apostle Paul told the people, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and on earth. And does not live in temples built by human hands. God no longer lives in temples built by human hands. We can now have confidence to come into the holiest place. In fact, to make that happen, he made all of us kings and priests. He made us royal priesthood. He now said, you are now royal priesthood. So you can come and offer. Now, you no longer need to offer bulls, rams, goats. You offer me sacrifices of praise, sacrifices of worship. Hallelujah. That's what we, that's what we come to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I'm going to read actually verse 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus entered into the most holy place in heaven and offered his blood, right? And we can now follow him to go there. That's what it means, right? We can now follow him. The veil has been turned, signifying there's no longer, there's, there's even no door there, right? We can just go, right? So if there's door, somebody can lock it. Somebody can throw the key away. I mean, the key may not work. No, no more door. We can go in there. Hallelujah. And we can go by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the veil or through the curtain that is his body. Very significant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very, this is what we celebrate when we talk about Easter. It means a lot. It means a lot in the court of heaven. It means a lot in the spirit. You know, it means so much. And I want all of us to appreciate it. I want all of us to understand and know what it means. You know, no, when we say we, we come before the throne of grace, this is what it means. It is very significant. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll read a few scriptures. 
let me see if I have time. I think I have a little bit of time. Amen, amen. I'll read, I'll read uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Then I'll, I'll, I'll try to conclude. Hebrews chapter 8 kind of give us a little summary of what this all means. And for those of us who want to study it a little more, Hebrews chapter 8, I will start from verse 1. Now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest. This is Jesus. Who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord not by mere human being. Now, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it was necessary for this one also, which is Jesus, to have something to offer. Because high priest must offer something. He don't just go there. If he were on earth, that is Jesus, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gift prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. That is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator. Now, so the covenant, which is the new covenant, or what we call the New Testament, is superior. And it, the priesthood, or the ministry that brought it, is also superior. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there have been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place will have been sought for another. Hallelujah. So, we are under the new covenant, and the reason why, you know, we are is because Jesus did it for us. So, Jesus fulfilled the requirement. What the old covenant tried to do every year could not fully do. The atonement for sin that the old covenant tried to do but could not fully do. Everything that Jesus did it once and for all in a better way, in a superior way. So we have a superior covenant based on a superior priesthood and based on a superior promises. Praise the name of Jesus. So we must fully understand it. That is why the veil must be torn. Now, I'm going to wrap up by going behind the veil a little bit. Why is what is behind the veil so important? You know, why the veil must be torn? What is hidden behind the veil? So behind the veil is what is called the Ark of Covenant or the Ark of the Covenant. That is where everything, everything hangs upon that. I mean, the, you know, in fact... In, in Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible describes what is behind the Holy of Holies. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 9. Let's read verses 3, 4, and 5. If you can display that, that would be great. So behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. This is in the temple now. Which are the golden altar of incense and the gold covered ark of the covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant, I think I have a picture of it, if you can show it, uh, because we can see that. If you can display that picture, that will be great for people to see. All right? It's just like that. It is made of gold. God has a very high taste, right? That's why we, you know... Just imagine it's a tabernacle. They still made it with gold. And they still have to pack it up every time they moved. I mean, they, they still say, no, this God still say, I want you to know that, I, you know, everything about me is excellent. That's why when we offer God something, it must be excellent. 
you know, if you, if you want to have a place for him, it must be excellent. Our body is the temple of God. It must be excellent. We're taken care of. We're groomed, right? It must be. We're taken care of. Not just sloppy, not just anyhow. You know, your, your body must be taken care of. You must feed it very well with the right food, not with junk food. Exercise it well. If the physical temple was so taken care of, was well taken care of, well constructed, well laid out, how about this temple? I am going to take care of this temple. I want you to say, I'm going to take care of this temple. I am taking care of this temple. I'm, it's going to be fit. Right? It's going to be healthy. It's going to be excellent. Because God deserves an excellent place to live. How about that as a way of thinking thinking about our body, right? And it's going to be so clean both outside and inside, right? It's not just the physical, it's not just the outside. Some people can be so good at taking care of the outside. But the inside can be stinky. That's not what God is looking for, right? Because he dwells inside, not on the outside, right? So the ark was made of gold. Very, very important. Gold covered ark of the covenant. Now, the ark contained the gold jar of manna. So the ark has three things in there. Three things inside the ark. Now, let's describe the ark itself, the exterior of the ark. The ark has a cover. The cover of the ark is called the mercy seat. Significant that God described that as a mercy seat. In fact, in Exodus chapter 25, we read about that. When God was telling Moses in verse 21, he said, place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablet of the covenant law that I will give you. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for Israel. So God told Moses, this is where I'm going to meet with you by the ark. This is where my presence will dwell. This is where we will meet. So, it is called the mercy seat. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 4, 16, one of my favorite verses actually, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, when we pray, we are entering into the holy of holies. When we come into his presence, that's why David said in Psalm 100, enter his gate with thanksgiving into his court with praise, right? We come before the, the, the holy of holies. Every time we come before the presence of the Lord, we come before the mercy seat. And the Bible says, by the mercy seat, what do we obtain? Grace. What do we obtain? We obtain mercy. And grace to help us in time of need. One day I was meditating and the Lord said, you know, you, you can actually bring people there. And that changed my prayer life. So when I pray, I'm praying, I'm interceding for people. I use that and I say, Lord, I bring so, so, and so before. And I just, you know, I use my imagination. I'm very good at using my imagination. I use my imagination. I picture myself going into the mercy seat. And I carry the person with me. And I say, Lord, I bring so, so, and so before the mercy seat. Before the throne of grace. So that he or she can obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Praise the name of Jesus. We need that revelation. We need that understanding. That we go before. So there is, so it's covered the mercy seat. Now, on top of that are two cherubim, which originally was supposed to be to prevent us 
from going into the presence of God. But under the new covenant, the Bible says angels have become ministering spirits. And they are now called to minister to us. Hallelujah. They minister to us. They minister to us who shall be hearers of salvation. So no longer a deterrent to the presence of God. They are now our aid. Hallelujah. The angels that were put there to prevent us now become our aids. They strengthen us. They help us into the throne of grace. So we have the mercy seat. We have the cherubim. All right. Now inside the ark, there are three things inside the ark itself placed there. The first one is the manna. You remember the manna? How many of us remember manna in the Old Testament? So manna is a symbol of provision. When you think about manna, what do you think of provision? Miraculous provision. You see, in the presence of God is provision. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us today our daily bread. You see, so that signifies God's intention to provide for his people. God's intention is to bless us, is to provide for us. So in God's presence, God wants to remind us that I am your Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I'm your provider. So there's a gold jar. Can you remind me? It's also a gold jar of manna. God constant provision to his people. Inside there also is Aaron's rod or Moses' rod, right? Aaron's rod that budded was put in the, in the, in the jar, in the, in the ark. And also inside the ark is the Ten Commandments, the tablets that God gave Moses. That he wrote those Ten Commandments. They were preserved and kept inside the ark. All those were behind the veil. And when the veil is open to us, we have access to revelation, to the mind of God. That's what it means. Everybody has access to revelation. Everybody has access to the mind of God. The reason why we don't get revelation is because we don't go to the throne of grace. The reason why we don't know the plan of God, the purpose of God is because we don't go to the throne of grace. Signifies access to his word, to his mind, to his thoughts, to his commandment, to, what, to his plan for your life. It's in the ark. It's, in, it's within the ark. Covered by the mercy seats. All you need to do is to go there. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. Inside the ark is provision. It's the manner the Lord provides. Inside is the rod. Some people call it the rod of correction. It's the rod of correction. You see, if you regularly go to the presence of God, one of the things that will happen to you, you will get correction. See, when you see Christians that live anyhow, who can be corrected is because they don't go to the presence of God. Because you know whom the Lord loves? He corrects. He, you know, if you go to the presence of God, someday you will get out of the presence of God. You will, you will be so whipped, right? You will get so flogged in the presence of God. I mean, you will come back crying down. You will repent because you go before the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So I don't want us to, I want us to complete our Easter season today by pledging to take advantage of the access he has given to us by saying the veil was torn. Then let me enter the veil. If Jesus did all this to create access to the holy place, to the holiest place, and I don't go to the holiest place. What a waste. The sacrifice of Jesus over me will not be in vain. I want you to go before the Lord and say, Lord, the sacrifice of Jesus over my life will not be in vain. So, Lord, I pledge to come to the throne of grace. I pledge, Lord, to come before your presence. I pledge, Lord, to come with worship, to come with praise, to enter into your gate with thanksgiving, into your court with praise, to come before the throne of grace so that I can obtain mercy, to come before the mercy seat. Not just come, even bring people there every once in a while. So, Father, I pray the sacrifice of Jesus over me will not be a waste. I pledge to live my life in realization with revelation of what Jesus did. He made a way for me into the holy place. And I pledge, Lord, to come into the holy place where I find mercy, we have find your purpose for my life. We am chastised. We have, I find provision for my life. I find illumination for my life. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Before we close, it will not be proper not to give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. If you're here today in person, I want to say, Pastor, I, I, will, I have not fully understood what salvation means. Yes, I go to church maybe once in a while or even regularly, but I think today I fully know what Jesus did. And I would really like to give my life totally to what he did. I'd like you to, while others, what else about, I'd like you to raise up your right hand because I'd like to pray with you. God bless you. Any other person in the house? God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Any other person want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you. Any other person? There's at least one more person that will say, Pastor, please pray for me. I now fully understand what Jesus did. And I really like it to become my experience. You know, you can just stand if you're raising your hand. Stand where you are because I want to know who I'm praying for. Just stand where you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you're watching from home, please also participate and stand. And you want to say, now I fully understand what he did. And I want to live my life to, to just honor him. I want you to just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Because you did it for me. You went to the cross. You died. You were buried. You rose. You presented yourself in the holy of holy of heaven. Offered your body and your blood so that I can have access into the holy of holies. So today I accept your sacrifice, your gift of salvation, and I pledge to live my life in honor of the sacrifice, to live my life never to forget, always remembering that you paid the price. I live my life always coming to the throne of grace to find grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.
If you pray that prayer, please don't take it for granted. It's a very serious prayer. Very important, very consequential. I'd like you to go to the link that will be displayed on the screen. And if you're watching on YouTube, that link will be placed there. You can just quickly link it or Facebook or on the website, any of our platform, agapehousenj.org slash connect. I'd like you to fill that form and let us know you made a decision today. So, Father, we thank you for Easter. Thank you for resurrection. The meaning, the power, the revelation, everything that resurrection represents. I pray that that resurrection will become our experience. There are people here, as we are praying this morning, there are people here who came with dead dreams. You have dreams that have died. Even the marriage is dead. It's almost gone. Dreams dead. Future almost as good as dead. And you want to say, Lord, I I need the power of resurrection. You know, resurrection symbolizes it's not too late. That's what resurrection means. It's the last joker. It's the last card that the Lord has. That it is never too late. Even if dream is dead, God can resurrect it. Even those business ideas, if they are dead, God can resurrect it. If you came here today with something you've given up on, <laughs> I like you, I like to pray with you. I like you to raise. I mean, just stand up where you are because I like to pray. There's something that you have given up on. It's as good as dead, and you want to say, Father, I want the power of resurrection to touch it. Maybe it's your dream. Maybe it's your vision. I want you to stand up if you're in that category. And you want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'd like to just agree with you. There's something. God bless you. Any other person? There's something in in your life. There's a dream. There's a vision. There's something. It's dead. And you want to say, Lord, Pastor, please pray for me. This season of resurrection, I want the power of resurrection to come into that situation. I want you to come. I want you to just pray. Even if you are watching, I want you to just say, Father, let your power of resurrection come. Come on my marriage. Come on my, you know, vision, my dream, my ministry. Maybe you have a ministry that is dead. It's gone. You've always wanted to move. You feel like just moving on. So, Father, I'm inviting the power of your resurrection to come into this place right now. To come into that room where that person is sitting or watching or standing. I'm praying that that power will turn things around. We bring everything that is dead. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. By the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power is available. Come in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a